1: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the Podcast. This is episode 74 called Mina. I'm so excited about our guest today. This is a huge one. You guys know and love her from Good Bones on HGTV. She is an all around badass. She's super open about her infertility story. You might've read about it in People or seen it on her Instagram stories, But today she is going to tell us the play by play. So please, without further ado, listen to Mina Starsiak-Hawk's infertility story. You so much for doing this today. I feel like I know you because there was just a, <laughs> well, there was just a good bones marathon, on and my friends were like, knew I was talking to you, and they're like, "You got to watch this. You got to watch this." So I, I like <laughs> watched back to back to back. You're so fun to watch because you're just so natural and cool, and I don't know. You just it's it, you like feel like a friend. Do people say that to you a lot?
2: Oh yeah, I've gotten used to being a hugger and a toucher, which I'm not typically at my core. Yeah. <laughs> I think it means like we're doing our job well if people feel like they know me well enough to you know be like oh my god can i hug you i'm like sure which is a little weird right now because no one's hugging and touching right uh, <laughs> but pre pre pandemic there was a lot of that i mean even in menards yesterday we're all masked up and a lady asked to take a picture with me and asked if she could touch my stomach which is oh which is I mean, like you feel rude saying no. Yeah, but, but that's, that's really, a little like, much. It's a perfectly reasonable thing to say is, "No, stranger, you can't touch my stomach." Right. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I don't care, whatever. Yeah.
1: Well, it's also like then you don't want to say no, and then have it like some news story comes out that you're rude to somebody in Menard. <laughs> yeah.
2: <right>? Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I have to say, I I just love how you're so open about you know your whole life, and you know you. You covered a lot of it on your show, going through infertility and all the struggles and all the good and, and the really hard times too. So as somebody who went through it myself, I really, really appreciate you coming out and being so open about it and, you know, the effects and the, the way that people will watch that and feel so much less alone. It's like, you can't even measure it. Like you you know, it's like goes beyond. So thank you for doing all that. And thank you for talking to me today too.
2: No, of course. So let's start
1: at the beginning. What were you like growing up? Did you always want to be a mom?
2: I mean, I definitely wasn't the type that thought about that. Like, I was just kind of assumed like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. But I definitely wasn't the girl in high school or in college where, you know, my college roommates, I lived with seven other girls, we'd be sitting around the living room and they're like, well, my first baby's name is this and my second is this and then it's going to be this. like... I was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have them, but I don't know their names. Mm -hmm. So it was just like not really an active thought process. But I, you know, I wasn't planning my wedding since I was five either. I think I've always just been more like, I'm going to do all those things, but I'm going to work my ass off and then I'll do those when it makes sense. Yeah.
1: I love that. I'm kind of the same. Yeah. So tell me about how you and Steve met.
2: I picked him out on Facebook. He loves when I tell people that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, when you get to a place like when you're an adult out of college, like it's very hard to meet new people. You're either pretty much I got to the point where I was like, all the guys I know, I've dated and don't want to date again or haven't dated because I never want to date. I need like a new pool of talent. And I had made friends through another friend, this nice girl, and she'd set my roommate up on a couple dates. And I was like, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. So pretty much we went through her Facebook account and this was when I was 28, mm-hmm. 27, something like that. Um, and she showed me a couple of her guy friends that were single. And I said, I would like this one with the beard and the, like the plaid shirt. This is, this one's cute. Uh, so she kind of sent that, we, we did this big group date and like him and I both knew what we were there for but there was about 20 of us we're all watching a pacers game and as soon as he walked in i was like oh he's cute sat on the as far away as he possibly could from me he did these 20 people yes (laughs) but he sends my friend leanne our mutual friend a text it's like she's not like you said she's hot she's not hot she's beautiful so leanne has screenshot this text and sent it to me so i know he says this and then proceeds to ignore me the whole time (laughs)
1: He was probably Um, intimidated by you
2: Well, he teeters back and forth He's like says that he was so intimidated by me But also says like, well, I knew what I was doing I was playing hard to get Oh, sure, sure
1: Right, exactly That's funny That's a good first date too Like a sports game Like a group kind of thing Yeah So when did it turn a little more serious And when did you guys become like a couple?
2: So it's kind of funny so we went to the Pacers game and like, I go to bed at eight o'clock. Even uh-huh. in college, I was the one in hoodie and sweatpants while the girls are getting ready to go out, you know, at 11 PM. Like, yeah, it's crazy. So I stayed up <laughs> way past my bedtime this night. We like went to another bar. I think I was up to like two thirty, and then I was like, screw this. I'm out. I'm going home. I get home and I text my friend Leanne. I say, I need you to give me Steve's number right now. So she gives it to me and I text him. And probably used a bit like gruffer language, but was like, okay, you're being a huge sissy. We both know why we were there. Let's try this again tomorrow and do better. Pretty much is what I said. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he just laughed. He thought it was funny. And um, then we went on a couple more dates and, and i all kind of, you know, from there. Yeah. Now we're married. And we got a kid.
1: Right. So tell me about when you guys started to... Did you talk about having kids before you got married or was it like, where did that come into play?
2: Yeah, I think because Steve's not much older than me, but he, he's 39 and 35. So yeah, like we have three or four years difference. So when we met, um, and I was like almost 28, he was in his like low 30s. So Mm -hmm. at the point where like, let's put it all out on the table and there were, those were kind of the, the things that we talked about. He lived in Fishers, which is the suburbs of India. And I said, just FYI, I'm never moving to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Let's, get, let's get that out of the way. I don't know how many kids I'd like, but I'd like to have kids. I want to get married. And we were, he was like, yeah, those things make sense. Cool. Yeah. And, and there wasn't really much beyond that. <laughs> okay. What
1: happened, what happened when happened? you guys
2: started to try? I've been on NuvaRing since I was 17. Okay. So over God, it was, I think I was 30 when I got pregnant with Jack. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it'd been over a decade. Uh-huh. And you always hear the stories like, well, it could take months, it could take years for your body to get used to like not being on that. And literally, the first like three weeks after I took it out, I didn't know, obviously, those three, that three weeks later, but I was pregnant like right away. Mm-hmm. So, that was exciting. <laughs> but also in my head, I'm a control freak, so I'm building this house. I have my schedule, like, okay, we're married, and my business is growing, and we're building the house, and I'm going to get pregnant at this time. And all those things happened, and they happened almost perfectly. So they set up this very uh, false, high expectation for how much of the universe I could control. Mm -hmm. So when it did not go that way the second time, it was very upsetting. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So how was your pregnancy with Jack? Was it was everything pretty normal, like all along?
2: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, we did the genetic test very early, again, just because I'm a control freak and wanted to know the sex and had a bit of an alarm moment there when they called to give me the results. I was I was actually in the middle of a reveal for the show, Mm -hmm. but I was so excited because I thought, you know, they're gonna tell me if it's a boy or a girl. I answered, I kind of like stepped away and went to the bathroom. And you could just tell by the tone of the lady's voice that something wasn't good. And I was not prepared for that. And she said, you know, um, your baby, it's a boy and he has Heinfelter syndrome, mm-hmm. which is when they have a male chromosome and two female chromosomes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things like go along with that. They're completely sterile. They'll develop like breast tissue and more like feminine features and a variety of developmental delays um, as far as like learning and emotional and mental and this whole slew of things. So not what I was ready to hear.
1: Mm, Um, That must have been tough.
2: Yeah. And Steve, just, he comes by all the reveals. So he had happened to come by five minutes after that. And he walks in the front door and I'm like, go get, like, go out in the car. We need to talk now. And his response was, I didn't do anything. And I was like, no, 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 I know. So I tell him all this. We're doing all this research. We've already found like support groups because our biggest concern was not only our baby's going to be sterile, is he's going to have a tough life because he's going to have breasts. Yeah. And then I get a phone call. It was about two hours after the first one where they said they'd made a mistake. He has Jacob's syndrome, which is two male and one female. Okay. Which is very different. That's very different. Holy shit. Yes, very different. And there's very little research on it because it's so, the characteristics and what it causes are so non-existent. Most people just don't know anything about it until they do a genetic test for heritage or because, you know, they're doing a, a pretest to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So Jacob's syndrome, like the average height, you're super tall, adolescent acne, slightly higher incidence of ADHD. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Wow. What did you think when you got
1: the call? And they were like, whoops. They
2: were like, we you know we wanted to get back to you guys before you freaked out too much. And Steve and I are like, what the F do you mean? We've right. been freaking out for two hours. Like, Exactly. I mean, you guys, everyone makes mistakes, but that is a very big and stressful one.
1: Exactly, exactly. Wow. So was it pretty much smooth sailing after that? Or did you have any other yeah. tips along the way?
2: No, it was pretty much smooth sailing until we actually like went to have them. We were being induced in the 39th week and we ended up being there for 35 hours before they finally did a C-section because Uh my cervix just wasn't doing anything past three centimeters. I was like, not happening.
1: How did you feel about that? I had two C-sections, so I'm totally down with the C-section, but was it?
2: I was, I was begging for one, like hour 10. I'm like, let's do something here. Yeah. Um, But they wanted to give it more time.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, just like looking through your Instagram and stuff, and watching all your stories, he's such a cutie. So, when oh. did you guys? <laughs> when did you guys decide that you wanted to start trying again?
2: I knew that before we'd even had Jack. Um, yeah. I really wanted Irish twins, um, and my whole idea was let's just get all the crazy out, all the poopy diapers out. My closest in age siblings are. 14 months older and like 13 months younger. So we're all super close in age. Mm -hmm. So pretty much like as soon as we were allowed to have sex again, we were trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And then it just didn't
1: work. Right. So how long before you guys realized there was an issue?
2: I don't think I let it go terribly long. But it wasn't like five months after we started trying that we started like checking boxes on tests. Mm -hmm. Something like that. (laughs) <laughs> He's on a call. I couldn't see his earpiece. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's like, just a minute.
1: He's like, do we um, need to talk about sex right now? I'm on like a work
2: call. <laughs> How long before we started doing like tests and stuff when we were trying? Wasn't it like five months? Uh, Four months? Tests,
0: like like, like checked
2: sperm. your sperm, checked my AMH, all that stuff. Sorry, mm-hmm. with my boss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's uh, awesome.
0: I five months. Yeah, it was
2: probably five months. That's she, all. She probably could do that. So and I was like, look, let's not waste a time if right. there's something wrong that is fixable. I'm very like, okay, what's the plan of attack? If you give me a problem, like I will solve it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's so annoying when people are like, just relax, it'll happen. Oh my God. That's the so most weird. annoying thing in the world. Like you I haven't ever had to, which is why it's easy to say. And yeah. I will never say that to another human about anything ever again.
1: No, it's um, true. Unless you're in it, you don't realize how yeah. offensive that can be and how like ingratiating.
2: Yeah. yeah. What you think I'm so tense that my body's just like rejecting sperm on a physical level. Like that's not what's happening. So right. we got Steve tested, his sperm is all good. We did oh, what's like the rotor where they kind of shoot the dye through you just to make sure your <laughs> tubes are all open? So did that did my AMH and I mean, just learn so much because there's a whole ton of controversy around whether the AMH test is even helpful or valid or correct. Yes. And it's funny because
1: just from all the women that I've talked to about this now, you know, it's, it depends on the time of your cycle. Like there's a lot of different factors that can affect that number. So like yeah. somebody might get a really low number and think that they've got low AMH and then if they don't get retested, that's what they think. But then if they do get retested, it could be completely different. So yeah. it's good to like get a second opinion if yours is low.
2: Well, and my OB said um, in a lot of the studies that she's researched, you could send like the same sample to two different labs and get mm-hmm. two different results. Yes. So I, I don't know how much weight, you know, anyone gives to that or not. It seems very much like doctor to doctor whether or not they think it's a helpful variable to be part of the equation or not. Right. But mine was low. This, okay. Mine, for what it's worth, it was low. And so what my first fertility specialist was operating off of was for whatever reason... The amount of eggs that your body made when you were in utero are already pretty much gone. So let's try to make the best of the ones you have left pretty much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. were they suggesting IVF right away?
2: We talked about IUI and I said, you know, if if you think it's worth going that route, that's cool. I don't want to, like one of my very good best friends, I think had like six IUIs before they moved on to IVF. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Mm -mm. And he wasn't interested in doing that because he was under the impression that I didn't have a lot of eggs. So let's not waste six cycles. Mm
0: -hmm. So we
2: went straight to IVF and started all the injections and stuff like that. And I feel very lucky and blessed for a couple of reasons. Like one, because... I only dealt with this for less than a year Mm -hmm. and so many women do it way longer. And then the second that I didn't even realize how lucky I am that my husband's insurance is so good is the financial part of can we do this or not? Because I didn't realize we have this like whole extra health insurance card that I've never had access to. Uh-huh. And so while I'm trying to pre for IVF, they're like, no, it's not covered. And my husband was sure it was and not covered. It's very expensive. Oh, and yeah. that has to play into your decision. Like, okay, do we want to spend 20 grand on this? Like we've got a great kid. What do you do? Then figured out, oh, I just didn't have the right card. So it was covered. And wow. that makes it that, you know, then it's not a variable, but for all the people that don't have that kind of coverage, yeah, that sucks that like the yeah. money has to be part of your decision about whether you're going to try to have a kid or not.
1: Absolutely. I was one of those people. It was not covered for me, but I was lucky too in that I did only have to do one round of IVF and I did have secondary infertility as well. So can I ask you a little bit about that? Like were they diagnosing it as secondary infertility for you? And like, what did you think of that term? And how did you feel about all that?
2: Yeah, that's what I think what it was referred to mostly is secondary infertility. And yeah, to me, it doesn't really mean much, except it's not working the second time around. Right. And, you know, like I didn't miss, I don't know if some people like read into it and feel labeled or something like that. I was just like, I don't, I don't understand what's happening I got pregnant with Jack so easy. I'm really healthy. Like what other boxes do I need to check? Do I need to do tests? Do I need to take meds? Because the diagnosis of secondary infertility is just so vague. It's like, well, it could be a million reasons. It could be no reasons. You could get pregnant again in five years. Who knows? Right. It's not very helpful.
1: No. And for me too, like, I think some people feel guilty when they are going through secondary infertility because they're like, well, this isn't as bad as, you know, quote unquote, regular infertility. Yeah. You already have a kid. But I never felt that way. I was so depressed. I felt terrible. I thought it was complete hell. And I was like, it doesn't matter if it's secondary, first time around, third time around. It sucks every single time across the board. So, my point being like, I don't like when people minimize secondary infertility, not that you're doing that, but just in general, you know, cause I think it's yeah. just as hard,
2: just well, as hard. And I think I, I've never been like huge feminist or like woman power. I just kind of do me. Mm-hmm. I go to work, I bust my ass. But I feel like one thing that us women are really good at that we've gotten better at not doing is just being super judgy, no matter what. Like if you're a parent, if you're not a parent, like, oh, you're going through fertility issues. It's not as bad as what I went through. So it doesn't matter or all that stuff. So I did get some comments like that. Like, you know, you should just be happy you have Jack. Yep. Which kind of make you like, well, yeah, of course I'm happy I have Jack. And I'm not being greedy because I want more. Exactly. But then also a lot of women who are very supportive, overwhelmingly most women are Making like positive comments, saying positive things, but there is that—it's very easy to feel like, oh well, what I went through is worse, even though you don't know me and you don't know what I'm going through. Completely. (laughs) Um, So stop complaining, and we got—we got to cut that shit out.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, I'm with you. I think women judging other women needs to stop immediately, right now, forever. Like it's there's no good that comes of it. This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free, and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products, and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code AF at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code AF to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertile AF. Code infertile AF. Thanks, Vegamore.
0: So
1: how were you feeling like going through all this in the public eye? Did that give it another level of like anxiety and like just toughness all around?
2: There were only like two moments where it really kind of was part of my active thought process. Even before the show, like with my family and like in college in my dorm, my door was open all the time, like, which was is just literally how my whole life is. It's like, mm-hmm. whatever y'all want to know, I'll tell you, I don't care. Yeah. And now there's just a lot more people listening. Right. So when all this started happening, it was just part of like stuff I would ramble about on my Insta story. And, you Mm -hmm. know, there were, you know, a few, like maybe a hundred thousand people. And now there's, I don't know how many have, like 300,000. Sure. So it was just really crazy to see the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages Mm -hmm. from women saying, thank you so much for posting this. Like I haven't been able to talk to anyone about it and that you're normalizing it means yep. the world to me. And I just kind of felt like this is something that's easy for me to talk about right now. So if it's helping people, cool. I'll mm-hmm. keep talking about it. I'll put it all out there. And the only time that it got like, uh, what did I do? <laughs> um, <laughs> was when we got, it was, so there was two moments. When we went to the doctor's office after our failed IVF round, and, you know, my, there's two people from the production team in there because it's a tiny office and they're like family. We've been together so long and they're filming him telling us, you're never going to get pregnant without a donor egg. And I was like, okay, like this is real. He's telling me this is something I can't fix. And this now, like the people that have been following this journey, like I, I have to share this part because you can't just share like the good. Or the process, or the exciting, and then the second, even worse one was when we'd actually had the positive pregnancy test, and we're going to my doctor's office, and it didn't really click in till we were on our way, and like white knuckling the little handle in the car, mm-hmm. telling Steve, my husband, like it didn't hit me till now that it's very good chance that there's no heartbeat, mm-hmm. like that's that that's like what is it like 20 or 30% chance mm-hmm. which is huge and so when we got to the office our doctor pulled us to the back and he was like look i can do a quick ultrasound i can check and see the results because you know this could this could go in a very sad direction and so we talked about it and kind of decided you know if if we do it ahead of time and it's positive great now i have to fake doing it again and being excited. right? And if we do it now and it's negative, am I just not going to share that part right. because it's right. sad? And so Steve and I decided like, we're going to share it regardless. So oh we're just going to do it real time. And I go back out to the waiting room to like my family, my production team. Yeah. And I'm having to explain to them, like, you guys have to understand this could go really badly. And then we will all be very sad. So please be prepared, like worried about their feelings. Yeah. Um and, and and I mean, and there was a heartbeat and it was great. But those right. were kind of the two times where I think it really hit home. But again, so many people appreciate it and like they're like, you know, you usually hear people say, We went through IVF, this is our beautiful baby. End of story. You nope. don't see all the cruddy stuff in between. <laughs> no, I
1: think it's so cool that you guys shared all of that. And I'm sure it was really hard and making the decision, but it's such a testament to like how real you are that, you know, you chose to to have everybody who's invested in your story, like be right there with you. So I yeah. really appreciate that. And I think anybody going through it does, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So can we talk just a little bit about, did this affect your relationship like negatively at all? Because I've said many times before, like with my husband and me, it was so hard. I mean, there were points where we were like, are we going to get through this? Because, yeah. you know, my journey was there like- four years in total and four miscarriages and blah, blah, blah. Times where it just really sucked and we weren't on the same page at all.
2: Yeah. That's why I think like part of it is we're lucky because we didn't have to have that long of a stressful period. It was a year. Right. But I think it was, I mean, probably it was challenging for me because I was getting, like, it was my body that wasn't working. Steve's sperm were fine. He's good. And he was giving me or helping with all these injections so there's lots of hormones and then it's like, oh, you're having sex because you're like, you know, it just kind of turns a little mechanical. Totally. Um, <laughs> are you on the phone, babe? Nope. Are you off? Do you have any input there? <laughs>
0: what was the
2: question? On like if it was, how it affected our relationship when we were trying, if it was stressful. Um, what's
0: her name?
2: Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi, Steve. How are you?
0: Well, thank you. How are you?
2: Good, thanks.
1: Thanks for talking uh, about this.
0: Yeah, no problem. Is this live or is this recorded? Then it's I recorded. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I honestly don't mean to sound like cheesy and and whatnot, but me and I have such a strong relationship that I think it brought us closer together.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is uh, on a, like kind of a funny note. He was given me some sass for being a baby with some of the injections because he's had to do (laughs) injections before. Uh And I was like, you just leave me alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Straining on the relationship. I know that a lot of parents uh, or couples going through infertility issues Mm -hmm. or things like that, it can kind of uh, create a wedge in between. You know, similar to, gosh, I, I heard on another podcast a few weeks ago that Parents with autistic kids like the divorce rates, like 96%. Wow, yeah, and you can fact check me on that, Monica. But, um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) do you listen to Dax? Yeah, totally. That's like his. Uh, yes, he, I love Dexter
0: and Monica. Right? Yes, it's my PhD. To be honest with you, I think that most people don't need to go to college. <laughs> just listen just to just Dex listen to podcasts. Not <laughs> just uh, not just the armchair expert. Just like yeah. podcasts in general. Just listen to yeah. podcasts. It's um, you know the <laughs> the uh, divorce rate with people trying to have kids that are unsuccessful is is higher than than not. And I think that me and I both had this clear vision of like if we have a kid, great. We're super happy. If not, cool. We can kind of go on to the next chapter, whatever that is. And I think we—it was a conversation that we had early on to have that mindset. And I think that if you don't have that conversation, you're dead in the water.
2: Well, we had the same goals. That's I think, what I'm which, saying. Yeah, which the is what helped. Right. Like we're gonna do IVF. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do ten rounds of this and right. you know wear ourselves out. So I think yeah. that was probably. That's a good point, Steve made. Like why, like we'd already pre decided this is what we're doing, and I think it can get really stressful because it's probably very natural for one partner or the other to want it a lot more than the other, yeah, or to feel yeah. like this is too stressful for me, and the other one want to keep going, and those kind of things I think can create a lot of like divisiveness in a relationship, and we were luckily on the same page about how we wanted to handle it. Well, yeah. I think also
0: had the kids conversation very early on. We were pretty much on the same page. The number was a little far off.
2: <laughs> I wanted a lot more than <laughs> I want now,
0: <laughs> but it's funny. I'll talk to, you know, clients, associates, friends, or whomever and say, I, I, I take the approach of not asking about like, do you have kids? Oh, you don't shame on you. Like, don't do that to people. Yeah. That's it's the worst, but if they bring it up, Oh, Julie wants a kid and I don't want a kid. I can't help but think in the back of my mind, that's not going to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You you shouldn't
0: be married with different uh, visions like that. So anyway, my point is is that Mean and I had the early conversation about children. And then when we found out that we were going to have a bit of uh, difficulties with Charlie, we were on the same page with that too. Like, you got to be on the same page or it's not going to work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, you got to be on the same team, you know, it's managing expectations. And like you said, my husband and I, I wanted it so badly and he, we already had a kid and he was like, I'm good. Like, yeah, I want one, but I'm not going to like go through hell to have one, you know? And I was like, I'll do anything. So that was our, you know, we really had to work through that. And it took a lot of like therapy and we finally came to an agreement. We're like, we'll do one round of IVF. If it doesn't work, we're closing this chapter.
2: Yeah, and that's that's exactly kind of where we were. Yeah, um, cuz Steve I mean Steve would do anything for me. Right. So if I said I want to do 10 rounds, he would do it, but it would create a you know a shitty situation. Yep. So we just kind of found that happy medium. And again, it was an easier decision not to downplay second infertility, secondary infertility, but we had jacks. So we were like if we like, we don't have to go to the ends of the earth to make this happen. Like we do, we have this we have mm-hmm. this fallback plan. Like that, we have a perfectly amazing family right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and it's
2: okay to want more. And yes. so we got our more, and now we're gonna be done. Yeah, and if totally. I can jump in real
0: quick, um, men are wired differently, and I did not know that. Like, I could love this a baby this much. Uh I think men are kind of like viewed as like providers. Okay. I'll go out and I will collect the berries and I will get the squirrels and I'll bring (laughs) that home and you guys hang out and you know, I'll die by a lion in the woods.
1: (laughs) I don't know where he's going with this. (laughs) I like the visual. I
0: I didn't know that I would have that much. love. Yeah, Like I didn't know that I, like I love Jack so much that when we were trying to have, a second I was like, I don't know if I'll be able to love uh harder or more. And everybody tells me that you can. Right. And that it that it'll happen. So
2: yeah. But yeah, I think he genuinely believed that. He was like, I'm okay with one because this I can't I, how could I do that again? Yeah. Yes. That makes perfect sense. Oh, thank you, Steve. You're
0: welcome, Amanda.
2: It's so Bye-bye. funny because we were we were at lunch right before the podcast and I told him you know, that I was doing it. Yeah. And he was like, why, why is it always just the women? He was like, I mean, we went through it together. Why is there not like podcasts with men on it? Yeah. Which is a good point. I was no, like, yes. Okay, I've, had, it. I've it was- had a
1: handful of guys. I love to get the male perspective. I've, I actually, yeah. I haven't had like a couple. Let's just wrap it up with, I think one thing after you do have a hard time getting pregnant, but even if you do get pregnant... I think that it's, are you able to relax? Like, I think part of the problem I had was that I was, after going through so much, like, trauma, like, I was like, I never felt fully relaxed with my next kid.
2: Oh. Have you had any of that? Like, while I was pregnant, like, I can't move. The baby won't be okay kind of vibe. Earlier on, I did. But I think once, like, once we had the heartbeat and once we were out of the first trimester, I was like, I don't think it was that... It's not that my body can't carry a baby. It did that fine. Right. It was just the getting pregnant part. So I, yeah, no, I didn't worry about it, but I didn't worry about it much with Jack either. And he was my first, like, I didn't follow up. Like I ate lunch meat and cheese yeah. and, and all kinds of stuff. And I have a very active job. So I think in my head, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to make a real durable baby. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I can totally see, like, ping-ponging to the other end of the spectrum and like not wanting to make a single move wrong. I mean, one of my best friends that I was talking about earlier that did a bunch of IUI and IVF, they have a little girl that's just six months younger than Jack. And they found out they were pregnant like a week before or a week after we did. Just on their own. Like they hadn't done anything else. And it was right at the beginning of the pandemic and they left and went to stay with her mom in Florida because everything was shut down. None of the kids were in school. They have a 12 year old too from a previous marriage. And so there was like a couple doctors appointments that are those early ones that, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't really much of anything. And when they finally came back and she went to the doctor, there wasn't a heartbeat. Um. And I just can't imagine like all the questions I would ask myself, like, did I have a sip of wine or did I, like, what did I do? And that's just got to be the most like excruciating thought process that you could go through. And they're, you know, in in a good place now, but that, that if something had happened in this pregnancy, I 100% would have gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah.
1: I think as women too, that's another thing we do is blame ourselves, right? It's like, what did I do? I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have rolled over that way or, you know, like there's so many, you can go down that like spiral.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you're due September? I go um, Wednesday next week and I'll schedule my C-section then, but it should be mid-September.
1: Okay. And you already have a name for the baby, right? If the press is correct.
2: Yes. It's Charlie Drew.
1: So good. That's so mm-hmm. a great name, and what do you think the next, like the the next couple months are going
2: to bring for you? Oh God, it's so hard to tell. Like if we get shut down again, it's just going to be a lot of chilling. Yeah, um, <laughs> but we have, and I mean, we got so so lucky with our nanny. She's incredible, an early childhood development degree. Oh wow, and she's so great with Jack. So mm-hmm. it's nice that you know the first couple of months when I just had Jack. I would take him to the job site with me. They're so easy when they're under three months. Mm -hmm. So I imagine there'll still be a lot of that. I had, I think like two months maternity leave scheduled. And as you can see in the show, he's on the job site at like 10 days old. Totally. Um, (laughs) So I think probably a a lot of the same that in that regard. And, you know, we've talked about just making sure Jack's still Feels important, and yeah, so doing like you know, Steve does swim classes with him, so he gets his own parent time. Um, That's awesome, and then just hunker down for the winter, and yeah. we'll see.
1: Wasn't that great when her husband jumped in? I love that. Steve, you are amazing. And Mina, thanks again for such a great conversation. I loved talking to you. I know you're going to help so many more people than you already have. So thanks for listening, guys. Just a quick reminder, if you aren't already following me on Instagram, please do at infertileafstories. You'll get a lot more content and behind the scenes stuff and you can also check out fertility rally which is my other business baby where we have a community and content hub and it's basically been created so that anybody going through this hellish journey feels less alone so thanks so much love you all talk to you next time